can't see I'm up now, nigga. Head high, cause I'm holding up my crown, nigga. Never told, even through the ups and downs, nigga. And if I do say it's a couple brown, nigga. Only way I double crosses. I just keep spinning, only way to make them nauseous. Demon low, mommy like salsa, we could dip. I'm just trying to see you dance salsa on the dick. Whoa, it went down, she came up, you know. Y'all take shots, y'all aim up, you know. Hate on low, but we fly high, you know. Talk is cheap, free Wi-Fi, whoa. Heard they trying to steal away, cut it out, cut it out. Spicy mommy's on the way, bust it down, bust it down. What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We back again. Pick and roll podcast, we back at it for another episode, and this past week, we had a lot going on in sports, so we'll uh, we'll have a lot to talk about this week. But first and foremost, Sam, what's good? What's good, world? Man, this, uh, this past weekend, it was pretty interesting. We had some college football. We had some uh, NFL, or past week, should I say. We had the N- some NFL matchups that opened some eyes and some incidents as well, which we'll touch on a little later. But let's jump into probably the uh the most prevalent topic that we have which is our pick and roll podcast fan poll of the week this is tailored to the college football playoffs now our question was did the committee get it right as far as um selecting the teams for the college football playoff now that was a split decision by our fans we have facebook fans who say yes. 75% said yes. 25% said no. Now, our Instagram followers, they they had a little bit of a different outcome. It was 67% no, 33% yes. I kind of have mixed feelings about it, but I ultimately believe they picked the right ball clubs to get in going by their standards. But um, what's your take on it? Do you think the committee got it right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought there was I thought it was right. I mean, there were obviously other directions that they could have went, but I think that they made the right call. I can't argue with the four that they picked. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was a lot of people had their (laughs) own. Like you said, there's a lot of different scenarios which probably could have led to them picking other teams, and I think that's where our uh, listeners and uh, were coming from. More likely – a lot of people were wanting the four best teams in because I saw a lot of people, not even just our listeners. I saw a lot of people as far as sports analysts and a lot of different people making a push for Georgia to get in. And to me, if you're going four best teams, yes, Georgia gets in. Clearly, I feel like Georgia has shown that they are one of the four best teams in the nation. But you can't put in a two-loss Georgia team who is not a conference champion for one. And for two, they blew a 14-point lead in the conference championship. And their regular season loss was by double digits. They got mollywopped by LSU. So I understand the committee's decision on not including them. But like I said, if you're picking the four best teams, then Georgia's definitely included. But, I mean, obviously you have to go off more of just the four best teams. You can't do that every year because there may be – undefeated teams that aren't better than multiple loss teams. Yeah, and I feel like that uh that four best teams thing, I feel like there's gotta be somewhat of a like a mixture between the four best and the four most deserving. Because like you said, there's there's 
I mean, I can't say there's no way you could have put Georgia in because I see the argument for Georgia. Um, I see a lot of people saying like, um, you can't. You're penalizing. Penal. You're penalizing the. Um, you're penalizing Georgia for having to play uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game. But if they were in another conference, they could have had a cakewalk at a conference championship and easily got in. So I do kind of see that argument as like the SEC championship is basically a playoff game in itself because the winner is going to get in. That's so true. I, I see that part of it. But at the same time, you have a chance to take care of all that on the field. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you win, you're in. So it's hard to really have sympathy for a team like Georgia considering they had a chance to get their self in. All they had to do was pull that game out. Exactly. And my rebuttal to that particular statement would be, yeah, they probably would have had a cakewalk to get to win their conference championship. But even if they were in a different conference and they did lose to a team like LSU, that's still – to me, would be considered somewhat of a bad loss, seeing as Oklahoma lost to Texas, but they avenged their loss. So with them avenging their loss, it's almost like they don't have a bad loss on their resume because they bounced back and beat the team as well. So the team split. And I feel like that's what the biggest deciding factor was for um, Oklahoma getting in over Ohio State as well. It wasn't so much as... Oklahoma's definitely the better team or they're more deserving. It was more that they lost to a team and they avenged their loss. And, I mean, not to mention Ohio State's loss was pretty bad by most people's standards. But, I mean, I saw some people actually making a case for the fact that that Purdue loss wasn't as bad as everybody made it out to be, seeing as Purdue finished second in the division behind the Northwestern team who Ohio State just played in the championship. So, That was a good case as well, but, I mean, like most of the people said, Ohio State has been extremely inconsistent throughout the entire season. So we saw them string together their best game of the year against a number four Michigan team, but that was the only sighting that we saw of them looking extremely dominant. You even look into this conference championship, they didn't look dominant. I mean, they looked like the better team, but – I felt like in order for them to jump Oklahoma, Ohio State was going to have to do what they did a couple years back when they put up 70 on Wisconsin against the best defense in the nation. But it just, to me, I believe that ultimately the committee got it right because, I mean, I feel like Oklahoma's the only logical t- choice in this scenario. Yeah, I, yeah, you, it had to be Oklahoma. I mean, you could have went Georgia, you – I don't even know about it. I don't know about y'all for real. I, I would have been extra surprised if y'all would have got in. But yeah, there. I think the committee got, did did everything they needed to do. I agree as well. But um, let's touch on uh, as we was just speaking on Georgia. They they had a sizable lead against the Alabama team, and then turned around and let Alabama come back. And not only did they allow Alabama to come back, they allowed Alabama to do so with backup quarterback Jalen Hurts. Now, a lot of people, I saw a lot of posts pertaining to Jalen Hurts and talking about history's repeating itself. You saw Tua last year step in and take his job, and now he's going to step in and take Tua's job. That, to me, is completely outlandish because 
I guess the major difference in these two scenarios to me is that Tua stepped into a situation and was hands down the better quarterback. Jalen Hurts is stepping in because Tua's injured. Tua didn't step in because Jalen Hurts got injured. He stepped in because Jalen Hurts wasn't producing. And I don't I mean, I understand everybody wants to feel good story and they want they want the happy ending, which I'm extremely happy for Jalen Hurts. I mean, I feel like that is this was the ultimate redemption for him because everybody talked, oh, he about to transfer, he gonna leave, he gonna do this, he gonna do that. He stayed, waited his time, and this was probably one of the biggest moments of his career, stepping in and leading a comeback against a, a very powerful Georgia team. But um, you think it's a little bit outlandish for people to be talking? Uh, he about to take to his position and this, this, and that, that? Yeah, because the only reason that Jalen Hurts would start in the playoffs would be if two was not able to play. I agree 100%. Now, that leads me to ask you this. We all saw the injury. Uh, we've all seen that Tua is somewhat frail. I mean, body, not body stature-wise, but maybe body durability-wise. He's been banged up this year. So I want to ask you, what do you think this means for Bama moving forward? Do you think that this is a, a is going to be a reoccurring thing with Tua? And how serious do you think this injury is for Tua? No, I, I don't think there's any cause for concern. Um, the games are in what three weeks? Yeah, they've got some time. Yeah, so he's got time to rest. Nearly a month. Get some rehab. He, I, I think it'll he'll be fine. Um, as far as long term durability, um, it's hard to tell. He he hasn't had anything real serious. It's just been little nagging things. So I venture to say I think he'll be fine in, in that aspect as well. He's still a young guy, so. He, Maybe the weights just haven't had a time had time to really take effect for his body yet. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's more of a weight thing. I think that it's it may be a body durability issue with Tua because we're seeing injuries that don't necessarily come from strengthening your body. We're seeing ankle injuries and knee injuries. And as we all know for a quarterback, these are extremely serious injuries. So for a guy like Tua, I don't think that there's any concern as far as right now. I think he'll be good to go come bowl time, and he'll lead Bama into an Oklahoma game. And I believe that they'll he'll be successful with having all of this time of rest. They won't rush him back. I mean, it's not like he'll have to do a whole bunch to prepare for a gaudy defense. He'll, I mean, it's not like he, he, he doesn't really have to do much work on his end as far as physically. He can watch film and it's just and that, that. So he can rest his body. But moving forward in the future, this is definitely something that I think NFL GMs will keep an eye out for. If he can make it all through next season, no injuries, no type of uh, – no nothing serious, I don't believe that – you know, it'll scare any GMs off. I feel like he'll be the uh, maybe second quarterback to go if he decides to go next year. I believe Jake Fromm may be ahead of him as far as NFL-ready quarterback. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little iffy about it myself because he's extremely talented. But it does seem like, I mean, he, he gets banged up pretty frequently. But, 
I mean, like we said, we'll see moving forward. It may not be a cause for concern, but we'll see. We'll definitely see. But um, let's jump gears a little bit to probably the most interesting story of this week. And that is Urban Meyer deciding to retire following the Rose Bowl. Um, Many people know. Actually, a lot of people don't know, which I didn't I didn't believe to be true. I figured just about everybody who was in tune with sports knew. But I had uh, multiple people hit my phone today, as our, our listeners know I'm an Ohio State fan. So I had a lot of people hit my phone saying, What's, why would Urban step down? Is, is he really still shaking up about all of that stuff with Zach Smith and all of that? And I'm like, nah, like, <laughs> where have y'all been? So for those who don't know, Urban Meyer – has had uh, issues with his health. He he had a cyst on his brain. He's had a cyst on his brain for quite some time, and he had it removed uh, 2014. And that it's not like this is something new. That was this was a cause for his health issues at Florida and all of that stuff. So eventually, he had it removed in 2014 when he came to Ohio State. So obviously, it's something that's been nagging him, and then. After having it removed, the doctor told him that there would be side effects from having that cyst removed from his brain and that high levels of stress could cause excruciating headaches to where he won't necessarily be able to function to the level that he's normally able to function at. And that is the reason why Urban Meyer is stepping down. So, Sam, my question to you, with all of this going on and all of the, I guess, the... uh, the the plot and everything that's going around with this particular topic. Where does this leave Ohio State, and what's their future like without Urban? Mm, I hope y'all suck. <laughs> I do. Uh, you I mean, and you and you and many others. Yeah, it's not gonna happen though. Um, I think it's going to be the guy. What's the guy that coached y'all when he was out this beginning of the season? What's Ryan name? Day. Yeah, that's probably going to be who the coach is, huh? Yeah, they uh, today during the uh, Urban Meyer's press conference where he announced that he would be retiring and announced why, they actually had like uh, multiple parts of that particular press conference. And the first part was um, allowing Urban to – give his remarks and the ending of that was actually introducing Ryan day as the coach. So I don't think this is something, this is not a situation to where a lot of other schools would have just like an interim coach and get him through the season. Then by the end of the year, they're looking to hire. This is a guy in Ryan day who they're looking to take over and actually be their guy. So yeah, Ryan day will be taking over and, I think he'll be good. What's your take on it? Yeah, I think he will too. Um, y'all looked fine when he was coaching at the beginning of the season. Actually, might have been the best y'all looked all year. Was in the games that he was coaching, besides in the Michigan game. Yeah, I agree. I won't dispute that at all. So, yeah, I don't think there's any concern there. Um, sometimes, though, when Urban leaves, there's some type of there's something going on behind the scenes. So <laughs> let's just wait and see if something won't pop off. I mean, who knows? I mean, that Brett, Mc, Brett McMurphy, ain't that his name? Whatever his name mm. is. 
he could have went. I mean, because he went even after Urban got reinstated and all of this stuff, he still went and was dropping little stories here and there pertaining to Urban and all of this stuff and stuff that really wasn't relevant. But he was almost like he felt like he was defeated. Like, nah, I'm not letting him win this. I'm still going. <laughs> I'm gonna throw something out there. So, like you said, it could be that. I mean, I didn't think about that at all until just now, but that's, that could very well be the case. I don't think that, that what, that's what it is, but. Shit, it could be something brand new. Hey, you never, you never know. Scandal Urban. <laughs> he comes, wins championships, and ruins your program. <laughs> that's what you're hoping. But I think as far as the future of Ohio State, I think we'll be fine for the simple fact that it's not like we're bringing in a new guy. It's a guy who is extremely active when it comes to the recruiting process. He takes trips with Urban often, so the recruits do know him. But I feel like this will dampen the recruiting trail a little bit for Ohio State, seeing as they don't know the foreseeable future of Ohio State. They don't know if Ryan Day is going to be extremely successful and keep this going. And Urban said – that's most of the reason why he decided to make the decision now because on recruits were actually reaching out to him within the last, he said, couple of weeks and asking him, are you going to be here for the next three to four years? Because that's going to play a factor in, you know, whether I come there or not. And he said, I can answer them honestly. So I figured I would make the decision now as opposed to waiting it out. And I, I commend Urban for that, but I do believe that it may be a little bit of a drop-off. But with this Ohio State team, they're extremely young right now. So with them being young, I don't think that they'll have much of an issue with production. They'll have guys now that may even bolster recruiting because they'll look at guys like, dang, they be, they're successful. And Urban's not even there, so if they can get their rocks off, I'm pretty sure I can go down there and – pick up where they left off. So I think that they'll be fine moving forward. But um, one other thing before we get off college football, it's pretty much pertaining to the same thing. Now that Urban is leaving, you have an interesting uh, dynamic. There's a Their quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, there's been a lot of talk about him entering the draft. And now that Urban Meyer is leaving, do you think that that's the right decision for Haskins? Um, I actually do. Um, I think he could benefit from coming back to school, of course. But I think this year, with the way the quarterbacks are going to be in this draft, mm-hmm. I think he should just go ahead and get up out of there. Because, I mean, you never know what could happen when you come back for an extra year. That's a like, fact. Things, you might get injured. You may not perform as well next year. Like, you never know. The, there might be four or five guys that are just flat out better than you coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Like, you just really never know what could happen. So, when you hear your name buzzing in the draft, I feel like you should go. And I especially, I feel like you should go, especially – when the your class, your position is down in that class. Mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. You really think about it in the mock draft this year, coming into this season, the number one quarterback that they had going was Justin Herbert out of Oregon, and he didn't do enough to keep 
that position. And I he's flirting with returning too. He is, and that I I feel like it's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it's ever a bad thing when uh, guys who aren't ready to go right now. I don't. I never think it's a bad thing for them to not come back to college. But in this particular situation, Dwayne Haskins, I feel like he he yes, he's not ready to go into the NFL right now and lead the ball club. He's still got a lot of learning to do. He can benefit from another year in college, but you have to look at where you are now as far as Dwayne Haskins. You have to take a look in the mirror. And there are two guys in front of you as far as the Heisman candidacy is concerned. That's Tua and Kyler Murray. You don't have to worry about Kyler Murray, but Tua is a guy that you have to worry about as far as your draft stock going into next year. Not only two will you throw in a guy like Jake Fromm, who NFL quarterbacks are drooling over for great reason. These are two guys that are flat out better than you. They are, they're ready. They can go to the NFL and produce. These are two guys that are for a fact going to have higher draft stock than you next year. Then you throw in a wrench, just like you said, you never know. There could be other guys that come out next year and do what you did this year and open up the eyes of a lot of uh, coaches or GMs and uh, teams in the NFL to where they're like, oh, that's the direction we want to go in. We want that guy. We can build around that guy. And as far as Dwayne Haskins is concerned, you don't have that issue this year. There is not a quarterback coming out this year that GMs are going to look at next to you and say he's hands down better than you. This is the guy we're taking. There may be guys that they prefer over you, but as far as who you are, you, Dwayne Haskins, is the best pro-style quarterback this year that can enter <laughs> that can enter the draft. And I think he should do it. I think it's time. I don't think next year, him entering the draft next year is going to bode well for him at all. I just don't. I can't see it. Yeah, it's, it's the right decision to go ahead and go. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like you he was already contemplating with it, but now that Urban's leaving, not to say that that's going to make the biggest difference in his career at Ohio State, but I feel like that's kind of a more of a a, a nudge out the door as well. Like, all right, Urban leaving, so my time here it might be over for me because we don't necessarily know what Ryan Day likes for this offense. I mean, he had to do a lot of adjusting as the offensive coordinator this year and switching gears and opening up the offense a little more and making it pass heavy. He may be that guy that's like, you know what? Yeah, that worked for us this year, but it didn't work the way that we needed it to because we were outside of the playoffs looking in. So, fuck it. We're going back to what we know. We're going back to quarterback runs type type offense. And Yeah, because – for all we know, he may not have had the freedom to make subs at quarterback when he was coaching earlier this year. He might have wanted Tate Martell to be the quarterback when he was coaching. That's a fact. But wasn't able to do it because it wasn't really his team. Exactly. So he might be ready to start Tate next year. I agree regardless 100%. Regardless of if Haskins come back or not. So, yeah, I, if I was Haskins, I'd just go ahead and go, man. Just, there's no reason for you to even – put yourself through anything that could happen. Not saying it's going to be turmoil there, but why even subject yourself to that when you can just go ahead and be gone and get paid? Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it's time. That's the best move for him. So 
I wouldn't be super surprised to see him announce after the Rose Bowl that he is going to enter his, excuse me, enter his name into that, into the draft this year. But speaking of drafts, let's switch gears and go to the NFL. Whew, this week in the NFL was, um, I guess, interesting to say, say the least, or should I say last week, was interesting to say the least. Um, there were exciting games, there were coaching changes, and there were also major roster changes. And probably the biggest roster change of the week would have to be the Chiefs letting Kareem Hunt go. They released Kareem Hunt from the ball club, and for those who are knowledgeable about the NFL or those who watch any type of news network tailored to sports, um, you're pretty familiar on what happened with Kareem Hunt and him abusing a woman, like physically abusing a woman to levels that I just – as a man, I can't get with it all. I, I I don't like that at all. But um, he called for an interview with ESPN himself. It wasn't ESPN's doing. It was solely him. He reached out and said that he wanted to have an interview. Uh, basically, as far as I'm concerned, was to save face. But um, here's a little clip from the interview. You guys let us know what you think. Um, come right back after this soundbite and chop it up a little bit about it but um here we go i mean I, <laughs> i'll 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 speak on how i feel about this a little bit afterwards but go ahead and take a listen what did you think of yourself when you saw those videos i just thought of myself as being uh you know just not me that's not me i was raised better than that like i said and i'm not the type of person to you know, ever even think about putting my hands on anyone, a woman, a girl, it doesn't matter. All right. So um, as you heard uh, from Kareem Hunt himself, that's not him. He's not a man that puts his hands on women. Uh, If you've listened to the full interview, he definitely states that he was raised by his mother and his grandmother. To me, all of this is was completely done to try to save face so that his young football career would not be over. And to me, I don't like it at all. There was not a formal, a formal apology to this woman that he put hands on. Um, heard the stories about the woman calling him a nigger, spitting on him, doing this, doing that. I'm sorry, but I'm still not... As a black man, I'm still not that's, – that's not a reason for you to put your hands on a woman. I don't think that there's any instance where you put your hands on a woman the way that he did. So I can't get with it at all. I'm extremely disappointed in him. But, um, Sam, I want to open up the floor to you. What What's your take on this whole Kareem Hunt issue or fiasco? I feel the same way you do about it. I mean, no apology. I mean, he, did, he just didn't even – I don't know. I just didn't feel like there's any way that you can believe anything that he was really saying if you watch the video. I mean, yeah. he, he clearly fought his way to get to that girl. He had people there trying to stop him from making a dumb decision, and he fought them off to get to her. 
So it was, <laughs> it's like you wanted to hit her. You knew what you were doing. I mm-hmm. mean, you may have been drunk or whatever. Like, so what? And so what about what she said, too? I mean, yeah, it would piss me off as well, but you can't hit a female. And then on top of that, you're not just a regular guy. Exactly. You're Kareem Hunt. So it just doesn't make sense to me that these guys see all these other dudes make this mistake ahead of them. Like, how many have we seen now? Far too many. Far too many. And guys are still doing it. Like, they're still doing it. Like, it it just really doesn't make sense to me. But, hey. I just. uh, For millions. You're going to cost yourself millions of dollars because one person calls you the N-word or whatever. Or whatever she said. I mean, come on. It ain't nothing that nobody on this planet can say to me that's going to jeopardize millions of dollars for me. You can say whatever you want. That's not going to bug me at all. The moment you put your hands on me, then maybe I'll retaliate, but it won't be in the in the <laughs> in the the matter or the way that he decided to to handle this. If a woman spits on me or tries to put her hands on me or anything like that, trust me, there are so many other ways to handle it. As far as you not having to put your hands on anybody, especially somebody of his uh his stature or his importance or his popularity like it's it would be nothing for him to just have security have anybody around to handle the situation for him without him having to do that and i'm not saying that you have security with you 24 7 when you're at your crib and this this and that that but if you're a man like him who doesn't seem to know how to handle confrontation then maybe you should have security around you 24 7 that's a that's one misconception that people have about security People always think that security is like it's for protection because you're scared or you're a punk or whatever. Security is also to protect you from having to do anything in a situation. You don't have if you get confronted, you don't have to do anything. Your security exactly. take care of it for you. You don't have to worry about getting sued because you knocked somebody out because your security knocked them out before they even got over there too. Exactly. Now look at um, for those who are, uh, I guess knowledgeable or fans of uh rap music you look no further than this uh a situation like nikki and uh cardi b nikki had an issue with cardi b and cardi decided to take matters into her own hands and confront nikki and nikki stood behind her uh stood behind her bodyguards the whole time and yeah you hear the people on social media here and there talking about oh nikki's scared she a punk she this this and that that Nikki's smart because no matter how that situation played out, Cardi was the one that took the biggest L out of that for the simple fact that you're at New York Fashion Week in front of a bunch of prestigious people. Nikki didn't get any backlash from that at all. And she may have even been the one to start this particular altercation, but she handled it the right way. Her security stepped up and she was like, nope, I'm staying right here. And that's, like you said, that's what security is for. It's not to protect you from fighting or protect you from just, I don't know. I guess, it, like you said, it's not there for you to not look scared or for you to look scared. Security is there to prevent you from losing out on money and to prevent you from doing anything stupid and preventing harm from getting to you. 
and you from having to do exactly exactly and that's that to me i mean some people need it more than others obviously being in the public eye there may be times where a dude may do some disrespectful shit to you and you can't even do nothing about it or shouldn't do anything about it exactly exactly it's it's tough you 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 have to go through and let things slide that the normal person wouldn't or couldn't let slide. You know what I mean? So that I feel like once you reach a certain level of success, you should have security regardless of who you are or how tough you are. It's just the smart thing to do. Exactly. I mean, when you have a lot at stake or enough at stake to where you know that some a person or no, don't no matter the sex, no matter the race, whoever, if somebody has the capability of jeopardizing what you have made for yourself, yes, you need that. You need that around you at all times. I don't care how tough you are. Floyd Mayweather is, I mean, he's undefeated boxer. But Floyd Mayweather goes nowhere without his security. And that's for reasons, I mean, we know he can hold his own. We know he can handle himself in excuse me yeah it's illegal for boxers to put their hands on other people and get into fights and this this and that that but even beyond that he's smart enough to know i'm not like i'm i'm sorry ain't nobody about to cost me no money i know i could hold my own i know i could probably whoop anybody out here that steps to me but i'm not (laughs) going to even give them that satisfaction it's just not gonna happen you can't cost yourself money like this man and the only way i would ever The only way I would ever side with a dude hitting a female is if she's literally trying to kill you. I mean, hey, <laughs> that to me would probably be the only logical thing as well. But I also want, I don't want our listeners to think that we are only concerned about Kareem Hunt and his money. We're definitely not. Um, this is extremely disturbing for any type of man like myself, like Sam, it's it to me. I've I've never been a guy that condones domestic violence at all, whether it be the male uh, hitting a woman or a woman hitting the male. But regardless, I'm not for it at all. I hate it with a passion. And the fact that this is a woman who he said he didn't even know. He said he met her that night. So. How can a complete stranger get, get you under your skin to the point where you feel like you got to put your hands on them? That's why I'm not believing the fact that he said, that's not me. This is not something that that I would have ever done. I would have never put my hands on a woman. Anybody who's ever been in a relationship knows that nobody can get under your skin more than your spouse can. If there's ever a a time where you feel like you're going to put your hands on the opposite sex, it's when you're in a relationship. That's a fact. (laughs) So, for the simple fact that you do this to a random woman that you've never met, I find it extremely hard to believe that you probably, I mean, that you never even thought about putting your hands on one of your women or somebody that you was with before. If that woman can get under your skin like that, you better believe he's had some type of previous incident with him putting his hands on a woman. This is not just... Uh, one time thing like you said if a woman spits on you and you just happen to hit her once or something like that and it's like oh I, that was just a reaction it just happened like okay that may be a little bit more understandable not to say that it's right and I would condone it 
but I would understand it a little more than I would understand you trying to get away from people holding you back to do more damage to a woman that you've already done damage to. That to me is that's the eye opener, really. That I mean, that there's nothing else I feel like you should take from that video that's more significant than that. Like you said, he was really trying to get at that woman. Like after it's over and done, people are really trying to hold you back, and you're like, nah. Like she's a dude. Like you were really using all of your force to try to get back at that woman and do whatever you feel like you need to do. It, that that's just sickening to me. But I mean. I wish uh, that lady in that video, I wish her well. I hope that everything's okay with her. I pray that she didn't say anything outlandish to him like that. If she did, if she did, I pray that she finds some type of sanity to get that cleaned up. I also want to say a prayer for Kareem Hunt, and I hope and pray that he gets the help that he needs in order to help him see how wrong this was. Because, I mean, even in, in the video, if you watch that interview, you see multiple times, you know when a person is extremely sincere in saying what they're saying. There were so many times throughout that video where he had a smirk on his face and he just dropping his head like, I don't know, this isn't that, that. Like, he just didn't seem like he was genuinely apologetic about it. He wasn't. That's what I was saying. His whole demeanor, like, you just couldn't believe any of it. It just all just felt fake. Exactly. That's a fact. So... I, I don't know, man. I feel like we've touched on Kareem Hunt enough, and I just can't express how disappointed I am in him. It's just, it's 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 mind bottling. But um, let's jump to another NFL topic, man. Up in Wisconsin, there's a there's been a change. The Packers have decided to fire Mike McCarthy. Sam. Do you think this was the right decision for them to make? Uh, yeah. Um, it's not to say that I blame just Mike McCarthy for their struggles, but it was just time for a change. Um, mm, it's gonna put some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I've been seeing a lot of people say that, and I and I agree a hundred percent. Um, now that you're getting what you wanted, you you wanted him out. He's out now. So now it's going to be some real pressure on Aaron Rodgers to start producing winning-wise, especially if they bring in some more weapons, which they better. I mean, that to me would be the only logical thing because, I mean, their current roster, as we see, is not built for any type of Super Bowl run. And Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. So, I mean, granted, his play hasn't dipped any as far as his particular production is concerned, but – I mean, like you said, they decided to go in a different direction coaching-wise, so hopefully that can open things up. I believe that it was also time. I mean, this was a guy who had ample opportunity to show that he was the right guy for the job. And a lot of these times, if we're being honest, Green Bay's success came because of Aaron Rodgers making, I mean, ridiculous plays, making Aaron Rodgers plays. Um. I just, I don't know. I feel like Aaron Rodgers bailed him out a lot. And as a coach, that's, I mean, that's that speaks volumes about who you are. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I'm even willing to go and say the best quarterback in the NFL as far as the last couple of years of concern, maybe even the last three or so years. But he's definitely been in the conversation for at least the last five. 
So with that being the case, there's no way you don't make a run at the Super Bowl. Like you're not you're not making any appearances or anything. Like I just I feel like it was definitely time for him to go. He wasn't I mean, you bring a coach there to do what? To have success and to win and to put you in a position to where you can make Super Bowl runs. And he just didn't do that. So I felt like they made the right decision. It was definitely time for him to go. That um that whole thing about the Aaron Rodgers pressure though, that's an interesting thing. I never I didn't really think about that. I don't think that it's obviously gonna do anything to him to make his play alter anything because I mean no he's Aaron Rodgers, but there's definitely gonna be more attention on him. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of a lot of talk about the Packers next year, regardless if they're doing good or doing bad. We're going to be talking a lot about the Packers because everybody's going to want to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do now that he got what he wanted. I agree. Um, are there any coaches that you could possibly see heading toward Green Bay? Mm, nah, not that I can think of right now. Who you think? I I don't I couldn't wrap my head around it. I thought about it for a while, and there was not a soul that I could think of this that could put them in a position to where they are more successful than they are now. I just I couldn't. There wasn't any coaches that crossed my mind that was that you just look at like you know what maybe they could get here, but I feel like the only person that crossed my mind. It's a person who's not currently coaching in the NFL, but has had NFL success. And that's a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who's not having the ultimate success at Michigan. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them reach out to him and see if he's interested in coming back to the NFL. But outside of him, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, Harbaugh would be good, though. I think that would be solid for him. I don't, I don't think that there's anybody else out there that presents any more of a, a more of a, I guess, a great appeal. I feel like he's definitely the guy that's most appealing at this particular time. But, I mean, we'll see in the next couple of days or so. I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of names floating around, and I wouldn't be surprised to hear his name is one of them. Definitely. But um, ah, this is a topic that you know we haven't really had the luxury of talking about the last couple of weeks and I know you was you super happy about it because I remember you telling me uh who was we playing we was playing somebody and I was like if we pull this game off we definitely talking cowboys this week and you was like nah I'm not talking cowboys we done talking to cowboys I'm tired of that (laughs) and we lost as soon as we lost first thing I saw was a message from you like I said we not talking cowboys (laughs) <laughs> well, guess what? We talking Cowboys this week. It's time. It's here. Um, my boys, my Cowboys, did something that not even your Rams could do. They defeated <laughs> the only thing. <laughs> they defeated the Saints, who were on a ten-game win streak. And not only did they defeat the Saints, they did it by playing their style of like their the. The ideal way that the Cowboys want to play, they did everything perfect against the Saints. Now, this isn't even a a Saints team that 
they had to mix anything up. They didn't throw any different type of schemes. They did what the Cowboys do. Man-to-man defense, uh, tight coverage on the outsides, forces you to make tough passes, forces your receivers to make tough catches, and brings the heat as far as that defensive line is concerned and controls the clock more than anything. So with seeing the Cowboys do everything that they've been striving to do against a team as dominant as the New Orleans Saints, my question to you is not how good or not how great the Cowboys are, anything like that. My question to you is how dangerous are the Cowboys moving forward, seeing as there'll be a team that will most likely have a first-round playoff game, and they'll probably play a top-tier team. So my question to you is how dangerous do you do you believe they are? I think y'all could be pretty dangerous as far as getting out the first weekend. Um too much else besides that well i uh i i think we're somewhat dangerous more than anything it's our defense that defense is dangerous it's it i feel like it's dangerous because of the the things that complement each other so well i felt like in previous years with the cowboys you've seen uh, dominance in certain areas. You saw Demarcus Lawrence have extreme dominance. Then you uh, couple him with a guy like Sean Lee, who's had extreme dominance when he's healthy. But then as soon as he goes down, it seems like the whole defense shifts. Like it, They go straight downhill. This year you have a team that is playing without Sean Lee that's playing extremely well as far as the linebackers are concerned. You're getting a guy like Van Der Esch who's playing out of his mind he's playing as well as the Cowboys could hope for him to play then you got a guy like Jalen Smith who was getting to where everybody expected him to be let's not forget that Jalen uh excuse me I said Jalen Brown yeah (laughs) Jalen Smith I got NBA on my mind excuse me Jalen Smith you get a guy like Jalen Smith who the Cowboys were extremely high on as well as everybody else now if For those who don't know, Jalen Smith was projected to be the number one linebacker to go into that draft. The same year that Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott were in that draft, all of those guys came in the same year. But the bowl game right before heading into the draft, he had a a season-ending knee injury, which kept him out his entire rookie year. So now he's starting to get to that guy that everybody wanted. So the Cowboys – their decision to draft him is completely paying off. Then you throw him and Demarcus Lawrence and the rest of that hungry defensive line with defensive backs who are starting to find themselves. They were extremely young uh, the last couple of years, and now they're looking like they're starting to mature a little bit. So they're dangerous. And then, I mean, you already know what the offense is going to do. It seems like Ezekiel Elliott is being everything that the Cowboys wanted him to be coming into this season as well. And Dak's not looking half bad these last couple weeks either. So with that being the case, I think the Cowboys are extremely dangerous moving forward. But, I mean, their only, <laughs> their only, I guess, kryptonite, had, I mean, would be 
the well, I'll, I'll take that back. Two kryptonites. One could be a uh, injury to a key player, and outside of an injury, the biggest issue that the Cowboys have as far as becoming that team that they want to become is standing on that sideline, and it's Jason Garrett. <laughs> I don't believe in this Cowboy team with Jason Garrett leading them. So with that being the case, I think moving forward, they can be dangerous, but we won't see them as being dangerous because now that they're having success, I feel like the pressure is coming off of Jason Garrett a little bit. So he's going to start to revert and go back to that guy that we've known him to be. So I'm not expecting the Cowboys to, excuse me, do anything super spectacular this season. I feel like <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, I don't want to say it because I definitely don't want this to happen. I want my Cowboys to make the playoffs, but it may take something as crazy as the Cowboys giving up this first place lead in the division and not making the playoffs for J for uh for the front office and Jerry Jones to realize that guy's gotta go. <laughs> I mean, I've been screaming it for the longest. But I just hope and pray that's not what it takes for him to realize it or for them to realize it's time for him to go. But anyway, he's got to get up out of there. And that's why I'm not too high on how dangerous the Cowboys will be. We can be super dangerous, but I don't think we will be. So that's uh, that's pretty much it for NFL. But let's let's talk about another firing that that we've had. This one. uh came in the NBA, it was the Bulls firing Fred Hoiberg. Good move or bad move? Um, I can't really say it's a bad move because they've been struggling. So I guess they just wanted to change. I can't sit here and act like I've been seeing a whole bunch of Bulls games. So, um, I mean, I get, I, I'm guessing they just wanted to change. What you I, think? I would say good move. I would say good move for the simple fact that they're heading in the right direction with their roster. They're getting their guys that they've drafted these last couple of years to actually progress. And not only are they getting those guys to progress, they added key pieces around them in order for this team to become a little more well-rounded. They added guys like Zach Levine and uh, Jabari Parker. And you're seeing the effects of guys like, Laurie Markinen, who is just now getting back into the swing of things, you're seeing his effectiveness. You're seeing Wendell Carter Jr.'s effectiveness, and you're seeing um, Justin Holiday's effectiveness. You're seeing the effectiveness of this ball club, and I feel like more more now than ever, you need a coach in there who is going to not only help these guys progress more as far as their play on the court, but you also need a guy who's going to teach them how to win. And Fred Hoiberg cannot do that. It's been shown that he cannot do that. He hasn't, he doesn't have a good track record of leading teams to great destinations. It just hasn't happened. So I would say more than anything, it's a, a, an extremely good move for the Bulls. And I feel like it's great that they did it so early in the season because now you can get a guy in there who you plan to be your guy for long-term and he doesn't have to, I guess, endure the ending of the season and seeing players actually give up on the season. It's so early that he'll actually get the best out of these players 
now so he can see what he has moving forward. He can see whether these guys are going to be productive in the years to come. You can see early in the season just how um, important a guy can be to your ball club. And you may see a guy that you're like, you know what? He might have some trade value. And I don't think that he's going to be here that long. I'm not I'm not a big fan of where he'll be in the next couple of years. So let's move him and get a draft pick or let's move him and get somebody else in here that I feel like is really going to, excuse me, benefit our ball club. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say good move there. But um, as far as our other NBA topic, speaking of trade, which I just spoke about a little bit, we heard uh, the last couple of weeks that the Wizards are now shopping Brad Bill and John Wall. Anybody on that roster can get traded is what they said. Anybody can get plucked. So with that being the case, <clears throat> we've seen a change out of John Wall. We've seen a change appearance-wise with him uh, becoming more of a clean-cut guy. He was looking pretty scraggly coming into the season. He got him a clean cut, uh, got himself groomed up, and we've seen him uh, look more like John Wall than he had early in the season. So um, I guess I, I'm more wondering, do you think that that trade rumor pertaining to him was more of a scare tactic to get the best out of him? Or do you actually believe that they are fully 100% in on trading John Wall? I think they fully 100% in on trading John Wall. I just don't think that a lot of teams are going to be jumping at him because of his contract. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely a good point. I didn't really think about the contract too much. Um, I just – I feel like with a guy like John Wall, we've seen much more production out of him since they've announced the trade. Um, I guess – I'm I'm not against them trading John Wall because I don't believe that he has much of a future there and I don't believe that they have much of a future with him. So I would say, yeah, I mean, trade him if you can get the right things from him. But, I mean, let's, let's take a look at John Wall's stats uh, prior to them announcing the trade. I believe they announced the trade uh, – Early November, I want to say like November 2nd. So prior to November 2nd, John Wall had zero 30-point games. Zero. Not one. From that moment on, John Wall has put together a 30-point game against the Clippers. That's one. A 36-point game against the Rockets. 36 and 11, might I add. That's two. Also had a 30-point game against Brooklyn, 30-9. and nine. That's three. So, to me, I think John Wall is taking heed of this particular uh, rumor. Or I don't even think it's a rumor at this point. Everybody knows. So, I think he's taking heed of this situation. And he's taking it by the horns. He's showing... This is kind of like a job interview for John Wall, I feel like. This is his way of showing other ball clubs. They don't believe in me here, but I can still ball. Like, I I mean, I got the tools. It's nothing for me to get back to where I was. I mean, you, you've seen him get back into his element. He's gotten back into the 
uh, smooth, crafty layups. You see him on a fast break going behind the back, laying it up, uh, eluding a defender. You just see John Wall looking more like John Wall. So I don't necessarily believe that it's, a, a, I guess, a, a scare tactic either. I be- do believe that they are going to trade John Wall. But I think John Wall is making the best out of this situation. He knows that this team is going to trade him as well. So with him knowing that, this is his opportunity. He's just showing everybody, like, this is what you could get. If you get me up out of here, this is, I mean, I could I could still do some stuff for y'all. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him moved uh, prior to All-Star break. How long do you think it'll be before he's moved? I think he's definitely gone before All Star break. I'm not. Yeah. I really am anxious to see where he's going to go because I don't have any idea where he's going to end up. Yeah, I just feel like there are a couple of places that could be good fits for him, but I don't see an NBA destination that's a great fit for John Wall. I feel like there could be a great fit for John Wall moving forward. Like if you get John Wall at a couple of other guys in free agency, or maybe one other guy in free agency. That could be cool. I wouldn't mind seeing John Wall uh, with Pop. I also wouldn't mind seeing John Wall in New York with the healthy Porzingis and adding maybe one other guy in free agency. What about the Clippers and then maybe them trying to get Kawhi next year? That would be smooth, but I still think the Clippers are some pieces away. I mean, they don't have anybody in the post. They don't have any big guys. They got a lot of role players, though, that look good right now. They playing good together already. That's true. But I also feel like in order for you to be a a, <clears throat> a contender in that West, you've got to have that third piece. And you throw in a John Wall and a Kawhi, I don't feel like they have a third piece. They're going to have to grab an additional person, which you add two guys like that, then that automatically makes the Clippers more appealing. There are going to be guys that want to play there, so – I mean, I'm not against that. I feel like that may be an extremely good destination if you add both of those guys. But just John Wall alone, nah. Uh, I'm I don't know. I'm just there are a, a few places that I could could see John Wall if you add him and another player. But like you said, I'm anxious to see where he heads to. I'm I'm extremely anxious, but um. Let's let's talk college basketball. There's not much to talk as far as college basketball, but let's uh let's talk. So there's a new team in the top five this week, and it's the Wolverines of Michigan. Those guys, um, they're open their eyes. If anybody's watched Michigan basketball this year. You're seeing a ball club that's showing that they are extremely talented. Now, to me, the biggest thing that stands out for Michigan is that they have not – they've won every game that they played from one. And even outside of them winning the games, they've won every game by at least – at least 17 points. <laughs> I mean, they, hey, that to me, that, that speaks, that speaks volumes about who they are or who they expect to be because they've played one, two, three ranked teams this year. 
One being Villanova, one being North Carolina, one being Purdue. Blew them all out. All of them. So, my question to you is, how good is this Michigan team? Are you a believer in them? Do you think that they're that good? Uh, yeah, they're. After I expect to see, I don't want to say a drop off because it makes it seem like I don't have them still being a top team. I think they'll be somewhere between the top fifteen team all year. And um, but it's not really surprising to me. Michigan's always a pretty good team. I mean, they're never really a great team, but I mean, didn't they just go to the championship a couple of years ago? Yeah. I mean, they're they're always around, so it doesn't really surprise me at all, honestly. Um, yeah, they they seem to be good. I, I I don't have any reason not to believe it. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've seen a lot from those guys that has shown me that they definitely have the the ability to be great, but um. Like you said, it's not anything new. They, I don't mean, they're, they're good every year. And like you said, last year, it was last year, matter of fact, they went to the national championship and lost to Villanova. And you would think that a team that actually went to the national championship, lost a key piece, and Mo Wagner um, was the anchor of that ball club. And they're looking like they're not really missing a step. Granted, they do have a, a lot of guys back. A lot of guys from that ball club are back. You've got uh, Charles Matthews back from that team, uh, Jordan Poole, um, uh, I think his name, Teske. John is the first name I want to say, John Teske. Um, yeah, the seven one center. You got him coming back. So there's a lot of talent on this team that they've had already. So, it's just, I guess it's more of a, it's more of a putting it together thing for Michigan now. You've gotten there. This could be your year to actually win it all with the way that they're playing. They're not showing any signs of uh, slowing down or any noticeable weaknesses as far as their team is concerned. So, I would definitely say that Michigan is, it's, they're what they're advertised to be. We'll just now have to see if they can maintain it because a lot of teams that look this good early hit conference play and we look up come uh, March Madness and they're not even a high seed because of how tough their conference play was. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan be a product of that because they've got some teams in their conference that can ball. They're They're not the clear favorite in their conference, so. I'm anxious to see how far they'll go once conference play hits, as with any other major team. But, yeah, as of right now, I'm a believer in Michigan. I like them. I like them a lot. But um, let's see. I guess uh, uh, a different a different uh, type of topic this week as far as college basketball is concerned would be more about a coach. We don't really talk about coaches too much, and – Especially not, I guess, uh, upper echelon coaches like uh, Coach Cal or Coach K. You, that's those would be the guys that we would typically talk about. But um, today we're going to talk about Penny Penny Hardaway. Those who who don't know, 
Penny Hardaway is the head coach of, excuse me, Memphis. And he had himself a, a big time announcement. And that was that he pulled in the number one recruit and James Wiseman. That's super huge for him, seeing as he's a first year coach at uh, his alma mater. With those who uh, don't know, Memphis was Memphis State at one particular time, and that's where he went. Um, he He's the head coach there now, and how big for him is it that he pulled in that number one recruit? Is that I would say that's huge for him. Do you think that that, that will bring him more success down there in Memphis? Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I mean, uh, other recruits pay attention to that type of stuff. They see other guys going there. Um, it's James Wiseman, right? Yeah. So yeah, they're going to see Wiseman go to the NBA from Memphis, and they're going, and then all of a sudden, Memphis becomes appealing. I can't wait to see if he's going to be able to continue to recruit at that at that level. Because isn't Wiseman from Tennessee? Yeah, he actually is. Yeah, so. I mean, it's huge that he got him, but this was like a a easier recruit if if there is such a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never easy to get a recruit that that that's that good. But he was basically a hometown guy, so I'm I'm ready to see if Penny's going to be able to continue to recruit at that level. But the good thing is he doesn't have to have the recruiting classes that the. Calipari's and the Coach K's have to have in the ACC and the SEC. In order to be successful, I agree. If he gets if he gets a five-star and then a four-star and a couple good three-stars, he'll be fine. As long as he's developing the talent that's staying, he'll be fine. And I can't – I think it's good for college basketball for Memphis to be back on the um, scene as far as on the court and on the recruiting scene. I agree. I agree 100%. Also, for those who don't know, Penny's had extreme success in coaching in high school as well. So this is what really opened eyes for Memphis to bring him in. So it's not like he's just an NBA guy who just dropped his name in a hat. He's had a, a very great deal of success coaching high school. So this is a guy who can actually coach. And you pull in a number one recruit, and you couple that with the fact that you were NBA talent, like an, an extreme NBA talent. A lot of players will look at not only the fact that you pull in a guy like James Wiseman, but the fact that you know what it takes to get to the NBA and be successful at that level. You better believe guys are going to start coming to Memphis. I wouldn't be surprised to see us um, next couple of years with Memphis having one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe the next two or three years we see Memphis up there in the top top ten. So I think that, that this is a huge step for Penny, but I think that it's uh it's a sign of things to come. I think uh moving forward, Memphis is they'll be back on the map here soon. And it's not like Memphis has uh been lacking for talent because they've they've been contending the last couple of years in the conference. So it's they're a team that that they can they can string it together, get it together with the right coach and the right recruits, and make a a, a solid little run at the uh, sixty four at the the NCAA tournament. So I'm happy for Penny, and I think that that it'll it'll be huge for him. 
Yeah, don't he got Mike Miller on the staff with him? Yeah, too? I believe so. Yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I think Penny about to do big things down there in Memphis. But let's get into our uh, locks this week. You got any locks for us? Nope, I was just sitting here looking at oh, like, that. Sam slacking on this guy. I had a busy day, man. I had a real busy day. I ain't, I ain't get to even take no notes this week. That's understandable. All right, so let's get into our pickums then. You had a, a a request that we throw in some NBA games this week, so. Let's throw in some NBA pickums. Friday, we got the Lakers at the Spurs. Who you got? In San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Give me the Lakers. I got the Lakers as well. Friday, also, you have the Warriors at the Bucks. Uh, for those who don't know, the Bucks are second in their conference right now, I believe. And Steph Curry is back for the Warriors. So Warriors at Bucks. Who you got? I, I know who you got. Yeah, you just said the deciding <laughs> factor. <laughs> Chef's back. And might I add, he's looking good, too. He's not looking great just yet, but he's looking really good. You know that he's going to have one of those signature games to where you realize, oh, yeah, Steph back. He just went for 40. And I think that that game might be this Friday. So I'm taking the Warriors as well. Sunday, the Bucks turn around and travel up to Toronto. Got the Bucks against the Raptors. Who you got? I'm taking... Give me Toronto. That's a tough one. This is a battle for the conference. I think I'm taking Toronto as well on a close one. Toronto is at home, so I think I like them in that as well. Um, let's talk college basketball. Sunday as well, you got number seven, Tennessee, at number one, Gonzaga, or excuse me, versus number one at Gonzaga. It's a neutral site game. Who you got? Hmm. Give me Schofield and them boys. I'm taking the upset. Mm, I, I'm taking Gonzaga. I like Gonzaga in this one. Um, obviously, Sunday as well. We got the Ravens at the Chiefs. Now, before you make your pick, the Ravens have decided to start Lamar Jackson, and Flacco's actually back now. So they're undefeated with Lamar Jackson as a starter. They are facing the Chiefs, who no longer have a Kareem Hunt. Ravens at Chiefs, who you got? Chiefs. Uh, it's a tough one for me, but I think I'm taking the Chiefs as well. I don't think that that offense loses much of a step. They're too high-powered. You add in a guy like Spencer Ware, who's been there all along, they're, they won't miss that big of a beat in order for them to lose to Baltimore. So I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Last one, uh, Rams at Bears. I need your pick and your score. I got the Rams. 37 to 29. Mm, 37 29. I got the Rams as well. I'm going to go 35 24. I think I, 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 I like that. I, the Rams put up a lot of points, but I think the Bears' defense will keep them relatively lower than their average. Um, and in order for them to actually compete, I think they're going to have to put up some points. I see a, maybe one uh, defensive score, which would give them, you know, at least twenty four. I don't. I don't think that their offense alone can put up twenty four. It's not. It's not high powered enough for that. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going Rams in that. But that pretty much does it for our episode, man. Is there anything else you want to add before we get up out of here? Nope, that does it for me today. All right, man. Y'all make sure y'all tune in next week as well. We'll uh, 
we'll probably have more we'll be more tailored toward basketball here soon seeing as um college football is winding down and NFL's rounding out so we'll start to have more more NFL tailored topics as well but keep uh keep voting keep keep being extremely active on our pages follow us on Instagram Facebook um we need all of the input that we can get with the the fan polls of the week everything whatever topics anything that y'all want to throw our way we're completely open to so make sure y'all continue to be active and to our listeners out there we appreciate y'all man we we thank y'all for being as active as y'all are continue to do so and uh that's pretty much it man signing out it's your boy ish it's your boy sam like he said we appreciate y'all man we out